The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is Thanksgiving week. We have 10 games behind us, six to go. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, getting used to my new life, waiting for the government check. That... (laughs) I'm sure is a little bit more relaxing than wondering when <laughs> the next gig is going to come about. So, but we are approaching Thanksgiving and it's impossible to even wrap your head around it. I find this year has been even more so than other years, given everything. I think a little bit more slow during the day, but then you blink and it, and it feels like, where did the time go? Here we are with the chiefs nine and one you blink and, the Steelers are 10 and 0. It's just been a wild year that has been filled with things you just did not expect. Well, one of them being the Chiefs being at 9 and 1 at this point. I don't think anybody really was going to predict that this season. I mean, I think we all thought the Chiefs would do well. They were well positioned to have a very good season, but I'd have thought we'd had a couple three losses by now. So that's right. an additional unexpected thing. I felt like 6 and 2 in the first half given their schedule would have been good. Right. Here they are now, 10 games in at 9-1. and one. On this editor's show, we'll go through the latest Chiefs news. There isn't a ton of it, but we'll let you know what you need to know. We'll take the Chiefs-Raiders game from Sunday and give our marinated takeaways now that we've had some days to think about it. We'll take a quick break. We'll name our questions going into this very, very big Chiefs and Buccaneers showdown on Sunday. And then, of course, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. That's how we always end the Arrowhead Pride editor show. But, John, let's start here with the news. First things first, a minor transaction came through in the past few days. Martinez Rankin has officially been activated to this team. Yeah, this has been quite a road for Rankin. Um, Traded to the Chiefs last year in exchange for Carlos Hyde, the deal with the Houston Texans. Ended up starting uh, five games, I think, uh, at a guard position. Then injured his knee in week 10 against the Buccaneers and uh, went on injured reserve. But he didn't really come back from it uh, over the offseason. 
Chiefs had to put him on the physically unable to perform list uh, just before training camp and right. wasn't better by the end of training camp. So they had to put him on the six-week PUP list, uh, list at the beginning of the season. And then when they activated him, like within days, they had to put him on the COVID list. So they're activating him twice now in a space of two weeks. And of course, they've needed him all along. We've been having struggles with depth at at offensive line uh, ever since the season began. So this is actually a really good development if they can get uh, Rankin out there and be in a position that he can help on the offensive line. Seems like he's an interior guy. I know that a lot of us have tried to evaluate this trade where the Chiefs signed Carlos Hyde. They made the trade at the end of training camp. Hyde went on to rush for a thousand yards and later in the season, it almost seemed as though the chiefs could have used him. Remember Damian Williams didn't turn it really on until the playoffs and they were signing running backs off the street, needing a running back, but you win the Super Bowl, So who cares? Right. right? It's hard Doesn't to argue matter. about it. Right. And yeah. you have this prospect in Martinez Rankin that has played guard for the chiefs. As you said, John, for a few starts and with Schwartz on the COVID list and, the depth along the offensive line. I feel like the offensive line is this unfortunate theme where each and every year you end up tapping into your depth. So the more the merrier at that position, Rankin had shown, I think some signs of potentially being a long-term solution for the chiefs at one of yeah. the best five O line positions. So let's see what he has here. I think what's been a pleasant surprise for the chiefs is both how Nick Allegretti, the second-year lineman, has performed. Yeah. And then also him staying healthy has just been a blessing for the Chiefs, given Osemele went down, and you didn't know how that would go. So Rankin would be a welcomed addition to uh, the Chiefs' offensive line depth. Our other piece of news, and this is less Chiefs news and more, I guess, my personal PSA for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you Chiefs fans. Here's how your day sets up on Thursday. It's actually a good Chiefs fans day where you're not overly invested in the game. It's not going to ruin your day because the Chiefs aren't playing, but some games of interest, and here's why. Texans and Lions in the morning, throw it out. Sleep. Yeah. If you yeah. have the day off, make sure you're <laughs> nice and rested for the big meal you're about to chow down on. It's not an important game at all. If you if you get up, watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's a perfect segue into the holiday season. You see all these performances and then Santa comes out and you know it's finally Christmas season. Then you can put up your Christmas lights. All right, burying the lead, burying the lead, burying the lead. You get to 3.30 p.m. The Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, it's an NFC East game, but we have old friend Alex Smith who has, I think, since his departure, become more and more beloved among the Mm. Kansas City Chiefs fan base. And here he has... It's the three-win division. Every team has three wins. So even though everyone has underperformed, one of those teams is making the playoffs. This is a first-place game smack in the middle of Thanksgiving. Alex Smith, the best NFL story this year. Ex-chief, turned the franchise around, likely going to be in the Hall of Honor, and he's playing the Cowboys who nobody likes. Everyone knows that the Chiefs are now America's team. So you have the WFT, not a great organization, but we love Alex Smith, a good game to watch. And then the main event, after you have Thanksgiving dinner, after you might've fallen asleep at 7.20 PM, as long as COVID allows, again, we'll be monitoring the situation because the Baltimore Ravens have had these uh, positive COVID tests. But if COVID and the NFL allows, it'll be the Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers at 7.20 PM. Steelers, as we mentioned in the intro of this show, are 10-0, and 
and the Chiefs need them to lose. There's no other mm. way to say it. We're now in the final stretch of the season. It feels like the weakest 16-0 team or 10-0 team, I should say, that we've seen in a very, very long time. But their schedule is okay toward the end of this thing. And they just keep on winning. And unless they lose a game, the Chiefs are going to have to play on Wild Card Weekend because remember, there's only that one AFC bye week. It actually has made these games more important. We were wondering if we'd make the games late less important. No, I think they're even more important now given that one lone AFC bye. So you have the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. John, who knew on Thanksgiving we would be rooting for Lamar Jackson? Usually this is yeah. an enemy of the state. Right. This is kind of going to be kind of weird on Thursday, uh, rooting for the Ravens to win this game. But the Chiefs absolutely need this game uh, if they want to have a shot at uh, a first round bye. Um, this is one of two games on the schedule where the Steelers could stumble. This one and the week 14 game against the Bills. Either one of those would give the, cha- the Chiefs a chance to win out and uh, grab a first round bye. Um, but they got to win out. It, they, and that's not going to be easy. The Chiefs have a fairly difficult uh, schedule to, to get through in order to do that. But uh, definitely will make things easier if they can uh, get a win between uh, the, uh, the Ravens win over the Steelers would definitely make things easier. I didn't phrase that very well, but okay, you get the idea. <laughs> if, if you follow me on Twitter and whatnot, you might have noticed that this year SB Nation is having me make game-wide picks. We're also making game-wide picks at Arrowhead Pride. John, I will tell you, I'm going WFT and Baltimore Ravens this week. I'm, I'm picking the Ravens with the upset just when you think you have the NFL figured out and we want to write off Lamar Jackson. I'm going to say he's going to get this big win on prime time. It'll help the Chiefs. It'll get the Ravens back in the mix for AFC contenders. Uh, those are my two picks. Who are you picking in the Ravens and Steelers game? Boy, I'm glad I looked this up before you mentioned that. I was looking to see what the spread was. Uh, I'm picking Washington also on uh, Thursday against uh, against the Cowboys. I, and I don't know why the Cowboys are favored in this game. When I looked at it, it's like, yeah, I, I think Washington's got a real get chance to win this game. Get yourself up to Iowa and, and make a bet, John. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I should. <laughs> who and who are you picking thing, in the night game? Yeah. Yeah, and then the night game, I think, I think I'm going to take the Steelers, but I don't think they're going to cover the spread. Okay. I think this game is closer than than the than Vegas thinks. But I, I just looking at it, I just can't pick Baltimore in this one. I will certainly be rooting for Baltimore, <laughs> but uh, but I I just I just can't take uh, I just can't take. Pittsburgh and at minus four. I just can't. So every year I like to put in a Thanksgiving parlay. We're getting off topic here, but I don't care. It's all three games. And there's one rule that I have. And it's gonna take me swallowing a lot of appetizers this year, but you never bet against the Lions on Thanksgiving. That's the rule. And <laughs> here you have them coming off a 20 to zero loss. Uh, to the Carolina Panthers, but I'm going to pick them on Thanksgiving as part of my parlay. All right, enough, enough of this Thanksgiving. Now, now you've now you've piqued my interest. I have to look and see what I did on this game here. Let me see. <laughs> Got to scroll down to see where it is. I was working on my picks when we started here. So, well, darn it. Uh, we'll have to move on from that. One Thanksgiving note. One last Thanksgiving note, and this is a major rule this year. No thank. No no religion or politics at the table. If you are lucky enough and feel safe enough to meet with family 
Stay away from those two subjects. There's plenty of football topics to talk about on the TV. And everyone can agree on that the Chiefs are the best team in the National Football League. Speaking of Thanksgiving, the Chiefs knocked off the Las Vegas Raiders 35 to 31. And here was Andy Reid's celebration after the game. Some are sweeter than others. <laughs> and this is like a big pie. If you couldn't hear that, he said, some are sweeter than others, and this one is like a big pie. John, I lied. What's your favorite Thanksgiving pie? Uh, I like pumpkin pie. Okay, That's pumpkin pie is okay. Favorite pie in general, actually. Yeah. Pecan pie was the yeah. correct answer. I happen to also like blueberry pie with ice cream, which doesn't necessarily <laughs> go with Thanksgiving. Okay. Want to get into the Chiefs Raiders marinated takeaways of this game. It's been a little bit more controversial than you would have thought in Kansas City, given the way this game ended. Patrick Mahomes wills the team to victory, gets the ball with 143 left, doesn't even need the whole clock. We got a breakdown right now at arrowheadpride.com of Kent on the game-winning drive, breaking it down play-by-play. Play. That is excellent. Highly recommend yeah. you go and read it. I'm going to start with Patrick Mahomes. So we're going to have five takeaways here. Three from me, two from you. Patrick Mahomes, to me, in this Chiefs offense, is better than it was last year. And I'll explain why I feel that way. It seems like somehow, someway, Patrick Mahomes is processing things better. And we thought when he was a rookie in his first and second year that, all right, he is one of the better football players we've ever seen. He's improved, and he's improving each year, and we see it in different ways. And this year, more so, I think, than the first couple of years, he's taking calculated risks. Nobody throws on the run like Patrick Mahomes, but he knows when to throw it. A lot of RPOs built into this offense. We've seen him in games handed off more, and we've seen him in games pass more. And then let's take the end of the game situation on Sunday night. Down three uh, with the minute left. Everybody in the building knew, everyone around the world watching, I know it did crazy numbers on Sunday Night Football and NBC, everybody knew what was going to happen in this game. Patrick Mahomes was going to roll down the field and he was going to win the football game. John, were you nervous at all when Mahomes got the ball? Uh, no, I wasn't, actually. I was nervous when the Raiders started their drive at uh, you know like five right. minutes and change because I was afraid they were going to use up the clock. And uh, like many others, I was hoping the Chiefs would just let him in. But uh, Reed pushed back on that idea uh, after the game, saying, you know, minute and a half is all we need. And, and he was right. Uh, that's almost exactly what it took for the Chiefs to come back and win this game. We used to do these things in Kansas City where you would say, do you want this quarterback in this situation or would you take this quarterback? <laughs> Man, you take Mahomes over anybody right now in the league, and I don't think it's very close, especially considering Russell Wilson has taken a step back in the MVP race, and so he's not as much a factor in that conversation. You're also seeing from the outside media looking in that people are wanting to find reasons to replace Mahomes there. He's starting to get that dislike for just being so good, and he's a likable guy, so it's been fascinating to watch. Last part of this point, John, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. My goodness. Uh, the Chiefs like to post on Twitter, you know, woke up nine and one. Well, let me tell you how Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill woke up. Kelsey, third 
in yards in the league with 896, second in first downs, 49, third in big plays as 20 plus yards with 14. Tyree Kill, 12th in yards and second in touchdowns. And I think the key to all this and why the offense is ticking so well and looks better to me than last year is because of the out of structure that Kent likes to talk about a lot. And the fact that when Mahomes is rolling out and the play breaks down, he knows exactly where Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's big time. I mean, uh, to be able to execute the first play and then they talk about being able to execute the second play as well. I mean, uh, guys, when I scramble, they get to their landmarks, they get in my vision, and uh, I try to give them uh, chances to make plays. And it's a huge part of our offense. And uh, it's something that we work on in the offseason. And I think we've built chemistry with bringing the same guys back uh, year in and year out, and Beach does a good job of that, and so that we know where where each other is on that football field. So as the offense gets all the love, and this is the controversial part, a lot of people are upset about the defense. And John, you are saying, "Don't worry, be happy." Hakuna Matata. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think it's fair to question the defense's effort against the Raiders. Um, you always want your team to to be giving everything on the field. And we did see some things on Sunday that were concerning. Uh, the patty cake ta tackle by uh, Tyron Matthew. Uh, there were times that it seemed like the defensive line wasn't pushing as hard as you'd like them to. But I, I keep saying this, and I said it before the game in my prediction. I said it after the game in my post-game piece. And I'm going to say it one more time. We need to get used to the idea that the Raiders are a decent team. Right. I know that's hard. Andy Reid has owned the Raiders for a long time. This is the second time in my period as a Chiefs fan that the Raiders have been um, the Chiefs' dog. You know, <laughs> that the they just can't get any headway against Kansas City. Marty Schottenheimer also owned the Raiders during his time with Kansas City. And so it's easy to just think of them, to dismiss them as a bad team. And I just don't think they are anymore. And we're just going to have to get used to this idea that not only are they a pretty good team, they're in our division. They are built to beat us. Right. And I think that is the most important point here is that Gruden is trying to build a team. And the first way you do that is figure out a way to win in your division. And I, I think they have done some things specifically toward that end and they're working. I would agree. I actually was going to save this till after we were done with our points, but the Raiders to me are a legitimate playoff team. I've felt that all year. Again, I was talking about SB Nation and, and what they had me doing this year. It's a little bit more of an eye on the national level. The Raiders are a team that beat the New Orleans Saints early on this year. Mm -hmm. And so that to me was right away a sign the Raiders in previous years aren't sniffing beating the Saints. Like they may beat the Chiefs once in a while because division games are weird. Right. They beat the Saints right out of the gate, a Super Bowl contender. The Saints haven't lost many times this year. I believe they've only lost two times. So I would agree with you. I think there's a chance the Chiefs will see the Raiders again in this season. And who knows? Yeah. We talked about the seven AFC playoff teams. I want to push back on you just a little bit, John. And I have pushback on pushback. <laughs> right. And here's why. I think calling the defense bad is the wrong thing to be saying. I think they're back on the radar as a reason the Chiefs may not repeat as champions because That's fair. Yeah. they're clearly, to me, a weakness. They're worse than they were at this time last year. Week 11 last year served as the Chiefs benchmark where they turned the corner. Felt like the moment 
really the defense joined the cause was Mexico City Monday night. There was the bye afterwards, and it seemed like the Chiefs were completely different. Right now, week 11 this year, so you, it's almost like a year's time. No pass rush, uh, very little. Craig Stout noted in his defensive article today, it seems like Chris Jones is getting doubled and Frank Clark's getting chipped, and that's the end of the Chiefs' pass rush. There's tackling issues at the second level with real no reinforcements, especially at that level coming. I mean, it's Ben Neiman, it's Anthony Hitchens, maybe Willie Gay works his way in there. And I think the secondary is leaving something to be desired. It, the problem in this game was Bashad Breeland taking those penalties. I think that's mm-hmm. why the Chiefs found it necessary the second DeAndre Baker was available to go in and get him because at least maybe you have some other options there. Baker is his first-round talent, didn't perform well his rookie season, but who knows with the Chiefs coaching. They seem excited about him. It is concerning. Not concerned against a team like the Raiders, not concerned against the team at the bottom of Wild Card Weekend. But the benchmark in Kansas City right now is win Super Bowls, get the Super Bowls, win AFC titles. And it's against those really strong teams that I I worry, is the defense good enough? Because it was a situation on Sunday, and I tweeted this out during the game, where it became whoever has the ball last. It really felt that way. Sure. Chiefs were fortunate to have the ball last in that game. Otherwise, the Raiders might have swept them, and this is an entirely different conversation. So... Agreed. I think maybe saying the defense is bad to the point of sell off the team. Right. Crazy to say. Crazy. Relax. Steve Spagnuolo's got some time here. They still have Tyron Matthew. Let's relax. I I feel like the pass rush is going to play better, but something to keep an eye on. All right. Point number four. This probably leads right into something you were thinking as well. Yeah, and I, I think there's plenty of reason to be concerned about this. Uh, what's going on with Juan Thornhill? Yep. You know, we thought he was back. Um, he seemed to be okay and early in the season when they're going out there with these three safety sets with uh, Matthew and Sorensen and Thornhill. They've got three distinct skill sets on the field that they can use in different ways. It seemed to be working really well. And now, all of a sudden, uh, Thornhill gets, what, 11% of the defensive snaps on Sunday. And after the game, uh, Andy Reid calls him a situational guy. What Not is, good. What is this? What is th- where did this come from? As we know, Andy Reid does not use the word benched. Yeah. He'll find another word to use when he means benched. And this happened to be situational guy. And he got 11 snaps, right, John, in your calculation? I think that's right. I've forgotten Somewhere whether that was it. the percentage of the snaps. Yeah, but it's small. It's a small number. And a situational guy, it seemed like dime packages, whatnot. I don't know if the player was based on talent. And that's something that I'll say. Perhaps it's the recovery from the injury. I mean, you talk about his injury last year. I wonder how much that's impacting him as a power player, as a starting caliber player, which means that once a year's time happens, maybe he's fully recovered. He came back really fast. He did his injury. Right. That was something I asked Sam Madison about last week. And, and Madison said that he is still working through it. So let's uh. see what happens here. I, I, I think it might be one of those cases like with Austin Ryder. It, it's seeming like Austin Ryder just needed a few weeks off. Maybe they were actually resting his knee. And maybe that's the case with Thornhill. Let's limit the snaps right now. And then we'll get to more important games like the AFC playoffs. It is concerning, though. By the way, programming note, if you, you're paying attention to these things, probably for the diehards, Steve Spagnuolo speaks on Wednesday, not Thursday. So we should have some answers on that tomorrow. Yeah, I expect we'll get some questions on that for sure. 
My final point of this game, and it's ticky tacky, and I don't care. I'm okay with two running backs. You have Clyde Edwards-Elair, a first-round pick out of LSU, who's on undefeated champions and had like 1,800 yards from scrimmage. You have Le'Veon Bell, pro bowler several times, all pro several times. You have two running backs. I understand Daryl Williams may be an option in pass blocking. He should not be on the field right now. And I like Daryl Williams, but you have Clyde Edwards-Elair and you have Le'Veon Bell, who, by the way, had a nice game and looks like he still has some juice in the tank. He's yeah. working uh, right now for 31 other teams. I know that's something we usually say during training camp, but that's how the end of the season is going to go for Bell, where he's working right now to become an RB1 for another team. That's Clyde's job here next year. He's not going to be coming back here. Let him be on the field. Let Clyde be on the field. If you want to ride the hot hand between those two guys, Darrell Williams is great. He's never going to be able to have the production that these guys can have. And, and I know that's ticky tacky, but that's something that I kind of was thinking of as this game went along. Uh, one thing I said we can agree on, and just to go back to it, I think you're right. I think the Raiders are a legitimate threat and someone that you can no longer treat as a joke, as you might yeah. like the Los Angeles Chargers who find ways to blow games or get in games with the New York Jets every single weekend. I think they're still on that level, but they got a, a quarterback too. You know, and the Broncos seem like they're starting to get a little bit healthier. They'll certainly be healthier next year when they get Cortland Sutton and Von Miller back. This period where the division was not really a threat, you can see that candle. Mm -hmm. It's slow. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to be the best team for the foreseeable future, but let's get more comfortable with four and two instead of six and no. Right. I think that's fair. I think that is, and and I and I don't disagree with what your with your pushback points to me. Um, you know, it's not that it's not that uh, that the defense is good was good on Sunday, but this idea that because the the Raiders uh, did so well against our defense means that we need to fire the coordinator and make wholesale changes on the team is just crazy. Yeah, there's some Stay out of the comment section for your sanity, yeah. John. How many times <laughs> do I have to tell you? Well, I've seen it other places too, and I've seen it on social media, and uh, it's not just the comments section. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We just reviewed the Chiefs' win over the Las Vegas Raiders. When we come back, we will get into the upcoming game this Sunday with the Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show coming up in what just a few minutes. The best Chiefs thing we heard all week. I'll give you a tease. It is the best Chiefs thing I've seen all week. I'll explain in a few minutes. That's why you got to listen to the whole podcast. Here we go. Chiefs and Buccaneers. This was a game that we circled on the Kansas City Chiefs schedule when it came out. Patrick Mahomes will be playing Tom Brady again. We each have three questions going into this game. My first question is, how will Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady four go? Don't forget, these guys have squared off before, both in the regular season twice, the AFC title game. Brady has two. Mahomes is one. Mahomes is a little tainted. The refs got involved in the Patriots game. I think that was last year where there were some gripes that I think were correct that Patriot fans were upset about. I would like to see Mahomes go out and just flat out beat Tom Brady. I I know that this will be a point where you go back and you look when these two guys played because it, it was really seeming like Patrick Mahomes is going to threaten Tom Brady for the greatest quarterback of all time, even this early in his career. He certainly is on that pace. So I think this is a game that you might remember. I tried to sell this storyline last year, and now I look like a fool, John. This could be the final matchup between the two guys. And who knows? I like the Bucs this year. I'm maybe one of the only ones. This may not be the last match this year between Mahomes and, and Brady, but I just think we should relish that. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see this again, again. And so I, I'm excited to see that matchup. And you got to be paying attention after this game because Tom Brady picks and chooses which quarterbacks he likes to shake hands with after the game. <laughs> you know, apparently he snubbed Nick Foles earlier in the season. Last night on Monday Night Football, he lost to Jared Goff and the Rams, and he snubbed him. I see a theme with who he chooses to shake hands with and not. He shook Justin Herbert's hand earlier in this year. I think he's shaking the hands of quarterbacks he respects, and he puts on the same level and says, that guy beat me today, whereas... When it feels like I think he feels like he got beaten by the defense, he doesn't care to shake the opponent's hand as much. This is kind of blowing up on Good Morning Football. I saw Kyle Brandt, who is a friend of AP, uh, talking about it this morning. But Mahomes versus Brady Ford, that's what's interesting me, John. I think you've got a good theory there. And if, and if your theory is correct, then he will shake Patrick Mahomes' hand. He has because before. He's already established that right. uh, he respects Mahomes a lot. So um, I, I get why this is an issue, but I don't think it's going to be an issue in this game. Uh, unless, you know, there's some external event, you know, a referee call or something that causes Brady to lose the game, and then he'll be, you know, he'll be a baby about it. That's what I think. I can see that from our notes here, we have similar questions in this game. You have. Well, this is in your honor. Yes, thank you. Will this will this be a Super Bowl preview? Because you've been pushing that narrative well, uh, ever listen, since training camp. <laughs> if if you're like me, John, and last year you picked the Chiefs to play the Bears in the Super Bowl, you would feel the same <laughs> way that you have to remind people that this year you picked a better NFC team. Yeah, well, they don't really have a much of a shot. I mean, you know, you don't have to believe 538's calculations, but they give the Buccaneers a four percent shot to uh, win the Super Bowl compared to the Chiefs with, uh, I believe it's 24 now or something right. like that. So, uh, you know, the odds that those two teams will face each other are better than, say, the Jets. Sure. But, uh, um, but you know, there are other N NFC teams that are ahead of the Buccaneers in line. So I'm not so sure this will be a Super Bowl preview, but I think it's going to be a very interesting game and, and will say a lot about where the Chiefs are. 
at this point. You know, the Saints look really good. Uh, I all of a sudden am a believer in the Rams. I went from believer in the Rams to non-believer to a believer again. They're up and down for me. Uh, Packers lose one to the Colts. Uh, Colts, by the way, we haven't even talked about them. They're pretty interesting right now as well. Yeah. The Seahawks are, are behind for me. I think the Bucks are right in it only because it, it feels a little like the AFC and it's the Saints and everybody else. And I don't really feel all that strongly about how far ahead the Saints are. I just think it's wide open. And you'd rather the Bucks, with my prediction, be like the Chiefs of the NFC. Right. They are, of course you would. You're say. right in saying they're not. So we'll see if um, we'll see if that turns out to be indeed a Super Bowl preview. All right. Uh, point number three. And again, we have similar next next two questions here. If the Chiefs were in a shootout against Aguilar, Renfro, and Ruggs, why should we be confident against Godwin, Brown, and Evans, and Gronk? I think we're going to see a lot of people pick the Chiefs this week, and they're going to flat out say they're a better team than the Bucks. I know the transitive property isn't always the right way to go in the NFL. We've seen that time and time again. Tom Brady is so ineffective when he is pressured. Mm-hmm. If the Chiefs can get pressure on Brady, then you take away these guys. If the Chiefs give a similar effort and Brady has the same amount of time that Carr did on Sunday Night Football and he's getting into the hands of Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin... Like Chris Godwin versus, let's say, a Ben Neiman or a Dan Sorensen. Man, Godwin is going to blow that matchup out of the water. And you could pick and choose how you want to go about this. The Chiefs don't have the secondary or the second level to afford to get the same amount of pressure on Brady as they did Carr. These matchups are, are very, very concerning for me going into the game. I thought a lot, you know, you, we talked about picks and we get them in and in spoiler alert, John and I, it, it seems like we're both picking the chiefs this week. This is the first time that I can remember in a long time that I very, very nearly picked the Buccaneers because of what I saw on Sunday. And I know that the weapons that they have, I'm going to end up picking the chiefs in a probably less than three point win. That's how the, uh, close. I think this game is going to be. After watching Mahomes, I, I think that's what tips me in the Chiefs' direction. But that idea is just very, very concerning to me. And that leads me right into your question as well. Yeah, but and i just like to say that I also had to think long and hard about it this week. Um, you know, I, I've put in my pick in the, the national pick pool, but I haven't actually sat down to figure out what I think the score of this game will be. And I think it's going to be close. Uh, but I think Mahomes will be the edge in this game based on, you know, the inf information I look at in order to to pick a game. And I'm not telling you what it is. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to reveal that's that. That's a big even. league tease right there. That's what yeah, I'm that's right. About. But uh, I, I agree. This was one where I really had to stop and think, do I really want to pick the Chiefs in this game? Um, because this is the this is a game that they could lose. And it's going to be about what the Chiefs secondary can do against these weapons that Tampa Bay has. The thing that they did not have on Sunday against the Raiders was any kind of pressure on Carr. And it's it's always been true with Brady that pressure was the key. Yep. I mean, every game preview we've ever written about a, a Tom Brady quarterback team has been get in his face, 
that's the way you stop him. And that's not going to be any less true on uh, on this game on Sunday. The difference is that the Raiders have a really good offensive line. And, uh, and I think that was part of why the pass rush was having so much difficulty this past Sunday. We'll see. We can get some pressure going on Brady. The Chiefs have a really good chance for the, for the secondary to be effective against uh, Brady. But if they can't, it's going to be a long afternoon back there. Antonio Brown looks like Tyreek Hill does out there. And I, I think that these two have a similar size and I think they're comparable and they're the chiefs are running into the bucks when Brown is starting to really feel like a, a form. Like at first he was just sideshow and I think mm. he's starting to really get into the rhythm with the bucks. And there's been now enough games for him to grasp the offense. Donovan Smith, the left tackle for the bucks, he was banged up at the beginning of last game. Uh, and he did not look great. And that, to me, screams out Frank Clark. And so we'll see how Clark does in that matchup. Final question for this game. Uh, and similar, I, I would say, John, to your thought on Thornhill, is what's the deal with Sammy Watkins? And mm. it's a big point for, for me this week. I think the Chiefs' schedule came back to them in a bad way where we thought it was an easier part in the second half. And these teams seem a little bit better now than they do or they did in the early part of the year. And you're going to need Sammy back for that. We've seen that, you know, as good as Byron Pringle and, and I don't know if people would call the Marcus Robinson good after last game, but as I would say, um, <laughs> you know, as okay and, and decent replacing players as they are to hold down the fort, the offense is just way better with Sammy Watkins and you have a stretch now where you're going to need him. So what happened last week is, to me, clearly a setback. Practice fully on Wednesday. Might have gotten injured on Thursday. That would be my best guess, where he had a limited practice, limited on Friday. The Chiefs ultimately rule him out on Saturday, it was. And you could you could tell in the, in the Raiders game that they clearly missed Watkins. I talked about... When the Chiefs drafted Clyde, Clyde maybe getting back to that 2018 style offense where they were just rolling teams. I think they're close to that, but right now they're missing Sammy. I think he's that final ingredient to maybe get back to, I think, that level uh, of play. And I have the schedule up. You got the, the Buccaneers, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Chargers. The sooner the better, Sammy. I know it's obvious, but the sooner the better. Well, you know, this has been what we've been talking about all season is that, you know, yeah, Sammy Watkins probably won't make it through the whole season. He'll miss a few games with an injury because that's been his history, but he's here for the postseason and we need to get, need to get him back for the postseason. We need for him to be here for the stretch run when we're going to have to win six straight games in order to have even a shot at getting that first round by and be in a favorable position going into the playoffs. And uh, so, yeah, we need to get this hamstring deal dealt with. Uh, I wondered last week if what had happened was they'd given a full practice on Wednesday and uh, that he didn't so much hurt it as recognize that it hadn't come along as well as he thought it would. Right. But this is, this is again, one of the problems that we're having during the pandemic is that we don't have eyes on the field when they're practicing this year. And we don't see when the players, we can tell sometimes that players are struggling in practice. 
We can't see that anymore. All we're left with is to analyze what they do on the injury reports and what they say about it. And that's why we're struggling with the situation with Ron, with Juan Thornhill and why we're struggling trying to figure out what's going on with Watkins is we just don't have enough information this year. Yeah. That's, that's the way it goes. For what it's worth, I mean, in typical years, the NFL has really watered down the amount of practice you're able to see anyway. Uh, you're you're sure. able yeah. to really just see the first 10 or 15 minutes. But yeah, my eyes usually are on the ground, at least for that. And you could kind of get a, an idea for Watkins in warmups. Hell, when Mahomes had a dislocated knee and was working his way back, those gingerly jogs were right. the <laughs> what most watched videos of the year. Seemingly. <laughs> and so uh, good would be good to get Watkins back. My eyes will be on the injury report. Uh, you'd like to see three full participations in a row in a row, and that would make me believe, okay, he'll he'll be ready to return maybe against the Buccaneers. All right, that's Chiefs and Bucks. Uh, keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com all week for updates on the, all those questions and breakdowns and whatnot as you celebrate your Thanksgiving week. It's time now for the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. And this time, it's less something that I heard and more something that I saw. And it's something that you could see too if you go to our Twitter account. It's this video that has embedded the final drive from Sunday night on Gruden's quarterback camp. And I'll play the sound of it for you. Basically, Gruden and Mahomes, if you can imagine, are sitting at a table watching the comeback from Sunday night together. This dubbed from Mahomes' quarterback camp from a few years back. Just are you showing off here? Are, are you showing off at times? Uh, I mean, Tell me. No, I'm not really trying to. I'm just there you to, are. I'm just, <laughs> just trying to make throws. Uh, I'm just trying to make some throws. And no, you're 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 showing it off. You, you, you're proud of it, and you want to show it off. Ain't that part of being a quarterback and being a gotta great have, one? You got to have confidence for sure, and you got to oh, show man. show what you got. That's the greatest show I've ever seen. I'm sure your friend will send it to you. This is something we've tweeted out. I tried to give proper credit. Uh, apparently, it was from a. Um, a Twitter user, and I'm going to read his name, and I hope I'm getting this right. Again, the internet's so crazy, it's hard to tell who's who anymore, but I believe it's from the Twitter handle originally, Willzy747, W-I-L-L-Z-Y 747, a job well done. You can catch it on our Twitter account, twitter.com slash arrowheadpride. So the best Chiefs thing I heard and saw all week leading into Thanksgiving. All right, just because it's Thanksgiving, we, we're not going to shut down AP. We know we got a game this week, so keep it locked in there. You can stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as we'll have both laboratories this week with the mailbag. Uh, there will also be a game preview later in the week, and Arrowhead Pride Radio will be posted on Thursday. So we are keeping the full podcast schedule, keeping updates on the website as we head into, John, this Super Bowl preview on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and the Chiefs versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. We appreciate the love, rate, and review. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 